Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As this went on and on, and I've been very active in the open schools movement, both nationally and locally, and we just haven't made progress in California and in San Francisco, and I have very little hope uh, that schools will open this spring. Um, And I don't have a ton of hope they're going to open full-time, face-to-face, five days for fall. And my six-year-old, he's a kindergartner. I saw his personality really start to change. You know, he's this happy, boisterous kid, and he became withdrawn, and he didn't want to go outside. We just felt like we needed to do what was right for our family while I continue to push for open schools across the state and country. I don't want to get too long with this, but that's Jennifer Sai, who we talked about yesterday, who was the uh, like the second-in-command at Levi's and reputed to be headed for the CEO's office. Um, but she was advocating for opening schools in a company that uh, rewards, they praise advocacy of various sorts. Levi's very politically woke, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but she was advocating for let's end this horrific emotional abuse of the children by keeping them out of schools and, and later making them wear masks. And for that, she was uh, forced out of Levi's and called a white supremacist, which is bizarre as she is uh, married to a black fellow and has two black children. Um, or certainly mixed-race children. Uh, she was called a QAnon theorist, a, a would-be Trump. Uh, a lot of the same terms that have been thrown around up in Canada. Around a completely, well, not completely, a, a, a fairly different set of issues. But it's interesting, isn't it, how they go there immediately. Uh, one more clip from Miss Sai, uh, Michael. Schools across the country have been open. Um, safely studies across the country and the world have shown um, that schools can open open safely um, with proper ventilation with open windows and doors and I just you know whether there's politics involved or not I got to take care of my kid and I want to help all kids there is no significant global health organization or uh, health organization in other countries that says close the schools, even though some schools, a few are still closed or willing to close. And there are virtually none around the entire world that say put little kids in masks. Almost none. And yet they are in especially the blue parts of America, ignoring the fact, as she points out, that thousands and thousands of schools, not thousands of kids, thousands of schools have been open across the country uh, the whole time. And, and almost entirely unmasked since it became clear that kids are not effective vectors of the disease and transmission to teachers is practically non-existent. But ignoring the science and, uh, and, and sticking with the religious doctrine is, is more uh, persuasive in the blue areas, I guess. So change the topic. Didn't want to get hung up on that, but we talked about Jennifer yesterday, and I thought uh, her words were quite uh, good and reasonable. And the idea that she would be run out of company and called a white supremacist for saying, hey, little kids of color need to get educated. Uh, just that's how strange the world is that we're in. So uh, she happened to be a former San Franciscan. She moved to Denver so her kids could be in school. Um, this is also from the Bay Area of California. Found it really interesting. With all due respect to a previous discussion, I think hour one or two, I can't remember, probably hour two, uh, in which we're talking about governments becoming more and more comfortable with declaring states of emergency. And I at least want to admit we're talking about that because here is the city of Sausalito, which is right on the San Francisco Bay. It's beautiful. It's uh, expensive. Charming. A lot of great restaurants, etc. if you're not familiar with Sausalito. The city of Sausalito declared a local emergency 
at the end of last week due to what city officials said were dangerous conditions in and around a park that the city has allowed homeless people to live in. Bums and junkies. This is an article from the San Francisco Chronicle, so, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to hear a lot of, uh, you know, progressive phrasing of these things, but that's, we've come to expect that. In the emergency proclamation, which I want you to think about, is, does this sound like an emergency in, in a town? Sausalito City Manager and Director of Emergency Services Chris Zapata said that dangerous and criminal activity at Marin Ship Park in the nearby tennis courts, where the city had moved the homeless encampment from a previous location, were creating, quote, conditions of extreme peril to the safety of persons and property in the area. Okay, now let's take a break from the article for a second. Think about your city, or, you know, maybe it's the one where you work or vacation recently, and the things you saw, the bums and junkies, Talked a couple of days ago about a gal who finally got the attention of the Seattle City Council and police because she had to walk so far out of her way to get home, and she lived two blocks from her her, her restaurant um, because it was just too dangerous to walk down city streets. Are the bum and junkie encampments in your town, your area, creating conditions of extreme peril to the safety of persons and property in the area? Maybe it's a bike path along a river. According to the proclamation, people in the park have set fires and caused explosions, used alcohol and other drugs publicly, been violent or threatened violence, and defaced or damaged both public and private property. Check, 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 check. Proclamation states, quote, These conditions are likely to be beyond the control of the services, personnel, equipment, and facilities of the city. The aforesaid conditions of extreme peril warrant and necessitate the proclamation of the existence of a local emergency. Now, part of the reason for that, this liberal enclave said, was it's assigned to the county. Our small town needs extra resources from the county, money, and manpower to deal with the crisis. Now, what you do about an emergency and a crisis uh, depends on who you ask. You know, I, I didn't read to you, but I could have P.J. O'Rourke talking about how Republicans are, are, are God is a Republican and Santa Claus is a Democrat. So you have this state of emergency in, you know, your town where you have rampant crime and violence and drugs and needles and the rest of it. And that is an emergency. What do you do when you've declared it? Well, Santa Claus says pour resources into making it as easy and comfortable as possible to be a junkie. Whereas, you know, the other alternative is, okay, these things are not working, and it seems the more we pour into this, the more junkies we get. So we're going to go ahead and, and enforce the laws that used to exist. I wonder how long that Boise, that Jack, that infamous Boise uh, legal decision about you can't enforce anti-camping ordinances unless you have a bed for every junkie. How long will that stand? I don't know. It's uh, it's nonsensical, but it's been uh, it's, it's lasted a lot longer than I thought it would, and it is the thing that's holding up really making serious progress on the whole homeless thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one judge in a liberal town in a conservative state. And the Supreme Court took a pass on looking at that, by the way, which just, it I was so disappointed. Yeah. I would say I was devastated, but eh, I'm not easily, easily devastated. I'm used to crap. Anyway, so uh, one more one more topic, and this actually happens to be from the San Francisco Bay Area, but it's coming to a town near you. And Michael Schellenberger wrote this piece. It's terrific. We've quoted him a couple of times recently. We were talking about how uh, San Francisco has these, like, uh, here's where you get medical care and drug rehab for bums and junkies. Centers. 
And the centers have decided you can shoot up and do drugs and buy drugs and everything either on the grounds of or right outside the drug rehab centers, which is just a bizarre decision, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if I get like a a county license to set up a mobile liquor truck, like not tacos, but hard liquor, and I set it up outside every AA meeting in, in, in the state. I mean, that's how weird this is to me. <laughs> but a senior government official who oversees health and medical care for homeless drug addicts says the sanctioned drug use site could worsen the existing open drug scene around it. Quote, as drug consumption sites go in, activists and advocates fight to beat back law enforcement in the neighborhood. The addicts learn it's okay. You don't need to go into the site. Now you just have to be around it because the police aren't around anymore. Mm-hmm. And it spreads from there. The person who has supervised, supervised, I'm sorry, studied supervised drug sites around the world requested anonymity in a senior government role and is not authorized to speak to the press. However, the person said they felt morally obligated to reach out given the news of San Francisco's experimental and illegal drug supervision site as part of its homeless linkage center. And here's where it gets really interesting. Because so many of these, uh, these programs cite the European model. Well, they they allow supervised drug use in Europe. It's been a success, they say. The officials stressed that they view addiction as a medical problem. They support palliative care for older drug users, meaning safe injection because they're never going to give it up, blah, 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 and accepts a role for supervised drug centers in general in the right circumstances. Quote, I don't disagree with the European model and don't dismiss that the overdose prevention sites may have utility for a particular population. And he's worked in this field for decades. And there is no question in my mind that, that there is a very small set subset of addicted using population whose needs are palliative in nature, meaning they're not getting high. They're just not going through the hell of withdrawal. But the officials they're said, also San- not contributing anything to society and being oh, only not. a drain on society. So that's not nothing. Almost exclusively. Yes, true. But the official said, and here's the key point, San Francisco is not doing what Europe did. Quote, these guys point to Europe as these fabulous utopias of using drugs safely. But when European officials visit, they're horrified by what they see here. They say to us, hey, we require the addicts to maintain their obligations as citizens. You let them off the hook. Wow. You don't require them to take responsibility for their health and their obligations as a member of a community. That's where you're going wrong. That is an enormous and powerful sure. point. We require the addicts to maintain their obligations as citizens. You let them off the hook. You don't require them to take responsibility for their health and their obligations as a member of a community. In other words, you let them break the law, poop, throw needles around, steal, whatever. Europeans come here and see the way we're doing our compassionate treatment of bums and junkies, and they say, what the hell is the matter with you? Are you crazy? That's fascinating. There's a little more. In Europe, police and medical professionals put pressure on law-breaking addicts to quit. Quote, if you look around the world in boutique European and Scandinavian towns, the way they do the supervised sites is intensely medicalized. It's not just a little hole in the wall where addicts can come and inject freely as they please. It's a very medicalized system. You can't let consumption site operators make the police go away and let it become a freewheeling injection site. 
The official said the heavy focus on overdoses distracted attention from the negative impacts of the supervised drug sites on communities. Quote, the activists like to keep the argument narrowly focused on the addict and the overdose deaths. They don't want to look at the impact of the sites on crime rates Mm. or their devastation on communities and small businesses. Right. It's folly to think you can attract all those drug users without attracting the problems of concentrating addicts. Of course. You will see drug traffickers moving in to control the area. How good and smart and powerful and well-backed-up is that? Yeah, it's good stuff. Touchdown. Yep. That's good stuff right there. Got some uh, electoral politics for you. It's proven now. It is proven beyond a doubt. Kamala Harris will never be president of the United States. Yes! She's never going to be the nominee. Sorry, just, uh, you know, if that's your your horse, sorry. You're just out of luck. Get off that damn horse. (laughs) More, More on that and other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The Oscars are trying something new this year, caring what the audience thinks, because they're allowing Twitter users to vote on their favorite films regardless whether the film was nominated for an Oscar, and that film would be recognized during the awards broadcast. So congratulations to this year's Twitter Oscar, Homer Simpson slowly backing into a bush. So, yeah, that's an interesting ploy. I think all they're going to do is drive a stake through the heart of the Oscars and make it more obvious than it's ever been before how dumb and irrelevant it is. But good luck with that. I won't know because I won't see it. Um, oh, and speaking of ratings, so uh, every the ratings for everything have gone down, although the football went down and then came back. Olympic ratings are way down. They're off by 50%. From the last Winter Games in 2018. Wow. 50%. And this critic, whoever it is, is going through all the possible reasons. And they do mention the viewers protesting the choice of China as a host nation. That's a hell of a lot of it. I think so. That's a hell of a lot of it. Speaking for myself, that's robbed it of a lot of the fun. Oh, yeah. So if you don't feel like you're taking in as much as you have in the past, I know I'm not. And I'm not. And I, and I, and I feel bad about it every time I turn it on. So. There you go. Good. Um, Some politics stuff for you. Kamala Harris. They did a big poll in California of uh, topics that are, a lot of it's only interesting to you if you're in California. Um, Dianne Feinstein, senator from California, is down to 30% approval rating in California. So, um, she's 100 years old. Anyway, this is the one that matters to everybody across the country. I haven't heard a word out of her mouth in couple of years uh, the last time i remember is she had a high profile role in one of those hearings and uh, embarrassed herself yeah um this is the one that matters to everybody kamala harris her approval rating in california her home state a blue state 38 percent Ooh. to Come me that's all you need to know there's no way the power brokers in the democratic party n- anybody is thinking about her as the nominee. Nobody. If she's at 38% in California, she ain't going to get elected president. Democrats ain't going to pick her. So that is a wide open nomination, just as it is on the Republican side. So it's going to be a heck of an interesting presidential election almost a thousand days from now. Let the throat slitting begin. 
Um, it is time for us to yes. do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Clearly. <laughs> I'd hate to lose that sort of leadership on the big stage. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's really pushing hard on this bill where if you're a member of Congress or the spouse of a member of Congress, you can't own individual stocks. And I don't, is this constitutional? Can they, is it, can they pull this off? Is there any speech there or anything like that? Cause on some level, I get the, wait a second, just cause I took this job in government, I'm not allowed to invest in the stock market and try to, you know, do the right thing with my money. On the other hand, we all know that they're doing insider trading. We all know that they're getting information that we don't have access to. Sure. We, we know that. Yeah. So I'd be happy if it happened. They have drawn up the boundaries for uh, congressional races. And because, uh, you know, after every census and everything like that, they redraw the boundaries and all that sort of thing. Two thirds of the new boundaries are set so far and so far fewer than 40 seats that they've lined to be competitive. The parties work together on this. They want mostly safe seats that they can't lose. They come up with an even number and then they pick a small number to actually fight over. And right now that number is 40 only 40 that will be competitive. And of those they decide are going to be competitive or around the edges, there might be one they have a disagreement on. And then they start screaming, gerrymandering, gerrymandering. Haven't worked together to ensure that all the rest of them are safe districts, but they just run into a conflict on one, so they scream, gerrymandering. If any of that makes you a little cynical, it yeah. should. <laughs> What's the latest going on Russia-Ukraine and other stuff on the way? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The U.S. believes it would begin with electronic warfare and aerial bombardment on critical infrastructure. This followed by Russian special operations forces entering Kyiv to decapitate the Ukrainian government with plans to complete the operation in 24 to 72 hours. But even with 150,000 troops, this would not be easy. They would face Powerful resistance. This would be bloody and costly with potentially thousands and thousands of casualties. So I personally am at a at a bit of the uh, stage in this whole thing of when it starts, I'll be happy to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, until then, we're just spinning our wheels. But I thought that was a pretty interesting report there. I mean, as I keep saying, I think the if it happens, I think the world is going to be shocked. To see, well, the Western world anyway, to see Americans are going to be shocked to see cities that look like ours, cars that look like ours, people that look like us, smashed, bleeding, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my reaction to that report, I don't think it's cynicism. I think it's just being a realist is um, the uh, Russians could storm to the capital in half the time she estimated or triple the time she estimated the whole projecting how much resistance there will be and how a battle will go by the media thing. You know, whether it's Iraq or half a dozen other places, Afghanistan, uh, that sort of prediction is just filling airtime. One, one more angle on this, then. Do you do you buy the story that. Putin's shocked how much the world has lined up against him. He thought maybe they were going to do like Obama did, where didn't really do anything. You think that's he's surprising? That's an intriguing question. And I that don't he might know. actually be thinking, oh, God, I didn't think they were going to do this and might be backing down. I don't know I don't, either. Neither. But everybody's guessing, obviously. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it, but a uh, good question. 
I hope that's the case. That'd be awesome. A um, couple of big court cases we haven't mentioned yet, and we should. So Sarah Palin was suing the New York Times over some things that they wrote about her. Um, is it worth getting into the details or just the overarching picture? She lost, and the overarching thing is it. we still have a very, very high bar for suing the media in this country for public defamation. Mm-hmm. Very, very high bar. Do you think that's good? Yes, I do, mostly. Um, I just read something that may have changed my mind, but I'll let you finish. I was going to say, just as a conservative, I have seen the forces of government and tech and big big publishing align, and uh, plus, you know, GoFundMe and uh, and being deplatformed on YouTube, that sort of thing. The lust, and, and college campuses for that matter, the lust to cancel speech by labeling it dangerous, blasphemous, slanderous, whatever, is unmistakable these days. And I don't want to grant them any tools. So the New York Times wrote some things that they've had to retract, apologize for, say they were wrong about Sarah Palin. She sued them saying, you know, you damaged me and I deserve money for that. And uh, the court said, no, you didn't. Citing what is regularly referred to as one of the great decisions of the 20th century by by legal people, 1964 Supreme Court case, New York Times versus Sullivan. Let's revisit that briefly so you know what we're talking about. It established a precedent at a very high bar to prove defamation against public officials. It was sparked by a full-page advertisement in the New York Times criticizing Alabama police officers' treatment of civil rights protesters that contained several factual inaccuracies. But uh, the Supreme Court ruled at the time, and uh, writing for the majority was, that a plaintiff must demonstrate the defendant acted with actual malice, knowledge that his or her statements or false or reckless um, statements were going to damage the person. You, have to, you had to have that intent. And that's a hard thing to prove. So they were trying to see, so Sarah Palin had to prove, her lawyers had to prove that the New York Times was out to ruin her, not just that they got it wrong. And um, so for a long time, that's been held up as, you know, that's why our free speech is better than other countries' free speech. And, you know, uh, you can get things wrong and you're allowed to in our country, blah, 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 blah. And I've always thought that makes perfectly good sense to me. But I just read something that Gorsuch wrote, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Let me read that to you. Um, Justice Neil Gorsuch critique from last July focused on the ways in which the media landscape has changed since 1964. Large numbers of newspapers and periodicals have failed. Network news has lost most of its viewers. With their fall has come the rise of 24-hour cable news and online media platforms that monetize anything that garners clicks. What started in 1964 with a decision to tolerate the occasional falsehood to ensure robust reporting by a comparative handful of print and broadcast outlets has evolved into an ironclad subsidy for the publication of falsehoods by means and on a scale previously unimaginable. That's true. That is very, very true. So you had a handful of news outlets that had a real good financial reason to try to get it right, and a handful of gatekeepers that considered themselves journalists and cared about getting it right. Right. Now you have a whole bunch of people that don't give a crap if they get it right. The only thing they're interested in is how many people watched it or read it or clicked on it. And if it's wrong, who cares? I don't, who even who even asked that question? You're fired. I mean, wrong. I don't care if I'm wrong. How many people read it? And um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, if I was going to sit and think about this all day, I'd still lean toward the we want as much free speech as possible. But there's no doubt that the landscape has changed a lot. You know, I'd like to read more of what Gorsuch wrote. Uh, I am absolutely willing to allow that there's room for discussion about the Sullivan ruling and, and, and you know, the, the, the resulting tradition around that sort of thing. Um, but just in general, I think there are... The the free marketplace of ideas is better off being free. You know, in Canada, you can get uh, you can be committing a crime as a uh, as a comedian if you say something that's not politically correct about yeah. Trudeau or whatever the you know trans whatever the hot political issues of the time. You can actually violate law as a comedian. And I I'm horrified by that. In I England, you're not allowed to make fun of the royal family, for instance. You know, and right. so we don't want to go anywhere Stupid. down that road. Yep, yep. Go down this road instead. Go to simplysafe.com to check out simplysafe.com or Simply Safe Home Security. If you want to know what's happening at your home when you're not there, get one of the new wireless outdoor cameras from Simply Safe. Let you know what's happening outside your door on your phone. Alerts you when anyone approaches so you always know who's there and what's going on. Yeah, that's pretty darn cool. How cool is this? Simply Safe is less than a dollar a day. You can set it up in around 30 minutes yourself, and they don't have any long-term contracts or commitments. I think those other companies do because they got to get you signed up, and they're afraid you'll quit. Because I've known a lot of people that got security systems and never use them, never turn them on, too complicated, don't feel right. like they work. Simply Safe works. And Simply Safe has way more than just that camera we described. It has entry and motion sensors, indoor and outdoor cameras, all sorts of stuff monitored 24-7 by pros, ready to disp- dispatch uh, police firefighters or emts to your home just go to simplysafe.com customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes i'm sorry i should have said simplysafe.com slash armstrong very important go today claim a free indoor security camera plus 20 percent off interactive monitoring simplysafe.com slash armstrong so the other big ruling that we haven't talked about yesterday is with the remington outdoor company that made the made a bushmaster gun and the specific bushmaster gun that that uh, crazy kid used to kill 26 kindergartners at Sandy Hook back in 2012. One of the worst things that's ever happened in my life. Just a horrible story. But anyway, the uh, family sued Remington and reached a $73 million settlement yesterday. I assume they agreed to the settlement because they figured it could only get worse. Um, Remington, that is. The families had sued Remington years ago, arguing the weapons shouldn't have been sold. And more specifically, shouldn't have been marketed to the public. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't understand this one. I don't understand. I don't understand how we operate as a society if this is going to be the standard. Yeah, I don't know the dates and I don't know the the specific names, but Congress passed a law protecting, holding harmless gun manufacturers from the misuse of their products. If you use a gun safely, it's safe. Um, and, but the exception was carved out if the gun makers violate state laws for marketing those weapons. And Remington must have thought, well, we came close enough there, uh, you know, in, in that state that there's at least a danger the jury would find us guilty and or this PR is just so horrible. We're going to declare bankruptcy and, and pay out a settlement. But I don't know. It's so confusing to me on how we can possibly function, as I said, going forward. Um, I I should have looked up the exact phrases, but some of the phrases that Remington used were along the lines of, feel more like a man with the Remington Bush. And that was cited over and over again as encouraging men to... What? Are you kidding me? How Mm -hmm. is that not going to extend to anything you could possibly use to harm anybody in the future? Vague claims of... 
manliness or fun or a sports car, the feeling of excitement you get when you drive fast, encouraging people to drive fast, and then he hit that busload of kids. I just, I don't understand how you don't. Yeah, that's a good comparison right there. Um, I, this is the sort of thing that I think requires a couple hour long podcast because you have various laws. You have the fact that the Sandy Hook shooting was so horrific. No company in their right mind wants to come within a million miles of seeming like they're defending anything to do with it. If it had been the killing of, you know, four biker gang members outside an El Cajon nightclub or something, it'd be a completely different story. But there's so much sympathy attached. Remington made the decision they did. Well, as a gun owner... uh, I'm bothered by all the news coverage on this. I watched several national pieces on this story yesterday and they all presented it in the sympathetic you can understand why the parents wanted this money and deserve this money nobody's standing up for the gun makers who should be able to say out loud and i would agree with them look we make a really really good gun the fact that that scumbag shot a bunch of little kids with it has got nothing to do with us Right. Guns and then, are legal. And the news stories regularly said a gun, a weapon of war designed to kill people as fast as possible. Yeah, that's how I chose my gun. I chose a gun specifically to have in my home that's the easiest gun to kill people if I ever have to. That's why I picked that gun. That's why they made that gun. What right. are you talking about? Well, if you're suggesting that the nation's media has misreported a complex and nuanced story, sir, how dare you? That's why I bought the gun. If I ever have some scumbags try to break into my house in our increasingly lawless society, I hope I have the gun that will help protect me. But I'm not going to go shoot anybody innocent, so I think it works out okay, doesn't it? Of course it does. Of course I, I, it does. I don't, know how, I don't know how gun manufacturers are going to advertise their guns in the future. S- $73 million is a lot of money. Yes, it is. Yep. Just remember, for the rest of your days, and a lot of you know this already, a settlement is a weighing of risk and uh, and and legality, and just it's it's often just minimizing risk, even though you know you're in the right. You just figure, well, all right, let's just move on with our lives. It happens all the time. And well, I realize that. I trouble. I'm troubled by you saying that they didn't want to be on the wrong side of this issue. It, it bothers me that there's not half the country that would say they're not. On the side of shooting kids in school, they're on the side of it's not our fault, right? Right. It's perfectly legitimate, legitimate thing to say. It's not my. It's not my fault. Hundred percent true. But you know, Remington's people are probably saying, "Well, let's see. The left controls ninety four percent of the media, so we won't get a oh, fair yeah. shake." I sure, certainly saw the way the story was covered all day long yesterday. I had one more point on that. Maybe I'll have to come to it later if I think about it in my head again. The guns. Oh, and the parents. And, you know, God dang it, you can't be in the business of criticizing these parents. What a horrible thing to have to go through. But all the parents saying, we just wanted to make sure that nothing like this could ever happen again. Okay, well, there hasn't, wow. been, a, there hasn't been an iota of that accomplished. That's funny. Every jaw in the studio and in the control room dropped at that. Because it's obvious. Wait, no. You haven't done that at all. No. What a, what a crazy thing to say. Mm. Wow. Uh, you have any commentary, uh, commentary on that? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
basically just spent 18 months hitting every Colorado brewery and brewery tap room in the state. Goal was to support every Colorado brewery as they were coming out of the shutdowns, and so that was the beginning of the, the quest. Probably did 3,000 beers. That's crazy when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, one heck of a liver, let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guy who visited every brewery in Colorado during the shutdown. 3,000 beers, he thinks. That's a lot of beers. Can I do that? There's nothing stopping you. That's a lot of beers, but oh, how pleasant does that sound? Got a heck of a liver, he says. It's a gift. So this is major news nationally, I think. Uh, it happened in the craziest uh, school board in America, in San Francisco, but... The 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 parents, the voters. Oh, yeah, says L.A. Unified, but go on. <laughs> the parent. Well, I don't think anybody's been crazier than this, though, as we'll get into the details if you've forgotten them. Uh, the parents and voters in San Francisco decided the president's got to go. The vice president's got to go. And the person they call the commissioner has got to go. Good. The top three people, the school board got booted out by overwhelming margins. Part of it around the idea that while the rest of the state of California, and this was late in the game, late in the game that California let was encouraging kids to get back into the classroom during the whole pandemic, San Francisco was holding firm with distance learning, and the parents hated that. And the school board, brilliantly, in the midst of all the attention they were getting for being a holdout on, we're ruining your kids' lives by making them learn, using my finger quotes, through Zoom, which nobody is learning, uh, this is what we're going to decide to debate. They got together and debated whether or not they should rename 44 public schools in the district. (laughs) At the very time, parents were screaming, open the damn schools. And if you'll remember correctly, they were talking about taking names off of some of the schools like Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. How freaking crazy is that? I mean, that is crazy. Based on the dopiest of undergrad liberal attitudes about Lincoln, for instance, or Washington. Yeah, by the way, 70% of the ballots cast uh, wanted these people booted. So, I mean, they got booted hard. (laughs) Too crazy for San Francisco. Now, that's an indictment. Uh, Parents were initially frustrated that students were still stuck in distance learning last year, despite county and state approval of a shift back to in-person. And that the board had focused on renaming 44 schools amid a racial reckoning. You remember, is that coming out of George Floyd and everything like that? But also this angle that isn't getting as much attention. Lowell, one of the best high schools in the country, one of the hardest schools to get into back in the past, they decided to do away with the merit-based admissions to the elite high school, Lowell High School, where Asian Americans held a majority because they were kicking ass and getting into the school. So they decided, nah, we need to do away with that. We got too many Asians, especially when Collins, she's the commissioner that got booted last night. Some tweets were unearthed in which she said Asians were using white supremacist thinking to get ahead of black students. Sure. By trying so hard and scoring so well on her tests and getting into the school. Anybody's success is white supremacy, Jack. So that's the part our friend Tim, the lawyer, uh, focused on that they booted out some racists who were, uh, you know, not cool with so many Asians in the school. You know, whichever part you want to focus on, uh, to me, it's pretty important that um, we be allowed to name a high school after the first president and the most consequential founding father, George Washington. If you can't have George Washington in your school, you're a crazy person. Right. You're a crazy person by definition. I don't need to know anything else about you. 
you shouldn't be in charge of anything to do with my kid. Mm-hmm. And if we end up with, like, the entirety of NASA is Asian Americans. I mean, every single technician, every astronaut, the spokesperson, the guy who cleans the Johns, every single one is an Asian. Well, that's kind of interesting. It kind of, well, it's kind of funny, honestly. But if that yields a better NASA and you're a loyal American, God bless you. You know, my kids aren't Asian. And if, uh, if likely that they go to a high school where an Asian kid or a kid of Indian descent is going to be the valedictorian or whatever, all I'm going to think is my kids didn't try hard enough or aren't smart enough. I'm not going to think there is any bias whatsoever other than that. Or our family values studying life balance in a way that some Asian cultures don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's, there's that, too. But eh, I don't know. But I, I got away from Now I'm back to acting like this is a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. I think one of the reasons this San Francisco school board story is getting so much national attention, it's people around the country saying, okay, so there is a limit. There is a limit to how far you can go, apparently. That's mm-hmm. good to see. Sure. In San Francisco, you got Lori London calling out the DA. Chicago, uh, uh, Lori, or London Breed, rather. Lori Lightfoot in Chicago is now to the right of the teachers' unions and the DA and the rest of it. You're seeing it all over the country. There's hope. How crazy are people who weren't focused on getting kids into school, but were focused on getting Abraham Lincoln taken off of junior high? You people are freaking nuts. If you miss an hour of the show, grab it on the podcast. Armstrong and Getty.